Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. We begin in Orange County here in Southern California, where firefighters have been fighting two wildfires that have forced about 100,000 people to flee their homes. Driven by strong winds, the Silverado fire in and around Irvine grew to over 13,000 acres overnight and is only 5% contained, but evacuation orders have been lifted in some neighborhoods. Meanwhile, on the border of Orange and Riverside counties, the Blue Ridge fire has charred about 14,000 acres. So far, neither blaze has consumed many structures, but two firefighters have been critically injured with second and third degree burns. Brian Fennessy is chief of the Orange County Fire Authority. I hired both of these firefighters. I know them personally. It's tough for, for any firefighter, certainly any fire chief, to, to feel this helpless when you've got uh, part of our fire family fighting for their lives. Three other firefighters reportedly sustained minor injuries fighting the blazes. Let's turn to the pandemic. Governor Gavin Newsom says Oregon, Washington, and Nevada are joining California's Vaccine Advisory Working Group, which will evaluate the safety of COVID-19 vaccines once they become available. The governor says the group is working in coordination with federal authorities, but he wants to be sure the state's residents have confidence in the vaccine development process. Why California? Because there's no other state uh, more uh, abundant in terms of its experts and expertise than this state. We would be, I think, foolhardy not to take advantage of some of the world's, not just this country, the nation's leading experts. Newsom also announced he's forming another expert panel to advise on how coronavirus vaccines should be distributed effectively and fairly once they're available. Staying on COVID, L.A. City and county authorities are conducting a pilot study to test the reliability of rapid coronavirus tests. KPCC's Jackie Fortier has details. Rapid antigen tests are designed to tell in a few minutes if someone is infectious with the coronavirus. Besides being faster, the small at-home nasal swab tests are much cheaper than the tests L.A. has been using. So far, some 750 firefighters are participating in the study. USC professor Dr. Naraj Sood is leading the study. He says the goal is to see if antigen tests can reliably detect asymptomatic people and see if folks can give themselves the test testing at home can be a game changer. It can move testing out of hospitals and clinics to workplaces, to classrooms, to our communities. If the antigen tests prove reliable with firefighters, they'll be offered at some drive through city and county COVID testing sites. The second phase of the pilot will try to determine if the antigen test can be used on school-age kids. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier. 
Turning to immigration, a group of UC San Francisco doctors is calling the Trump administration's treatment of migrant children at the U.S.-Mexican border torture under international law. KQD's Michelle Wiley has more. Anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress. Pediatricians say these are the effects on kids who've been through border experiences like detention and separation from their parents. Now, a new paper argues these actions fall under the United Nations definition of torture by purposefully inflicting pain and suffering at the direction of government officials. Dr. Colleen Kivlahan co-authored the paper, and she says the impacts can be long-lasting. This becomes a multi-generational story of loss and trauma that impacts entire populations and is completely avoidable and preventable. The authors urge pediatricians to speak out against these policies and document their effects on children. For The California Report, I'm Michelle Wiley. Election Day is less than a week away, and polling is close on Proposition 22, which would allow ride-hailing and delivery companies to keep classifying their workers as contractors. KQD's Sam Harnett reports on how each side is trying to sway undecided voters in the final stretch. According to the most recent polls, 12% of voters are still undecided over Prop 22, and the race is so close, their choice may end up tipping the scales. The Yes campaign says it's having drivers participate in text and phone banking events. The No campaign plans to hold rallies for gig workers outside Dodger Stadium and the Oakland Coliseum. Both sides are essentially making the same pitch to voters, says Jessica Levinson, a law professor and political commentator at Loyola Marymount University. So both sides are really duking it out over the same issue in a way, which is what's better for workers. Since both sides are trying to claim the same thing, this has become a battle of messaging. The gig companies on the yes side have almost $200 million to make their case, compared to about $20 million on the no side. But money, or the lack of it, may not be the deciding factor in the way you might think. Levinson says all that spending on the yes side could backfire if it leads voters to doubt the campaign's intentions. For the California Report, I'm Sam Harnett. For decades, a now-shuttered battery recycling plant polluted working-class neighborhoods in East and South Los Angeles. Now, California State Auditor reports that state cleanup work is behind schedule, short more than $390 million to finish the job, and leaves, quote, Californians at continued risk of lead poisoning. From L.A., KCRW's Benjamin Gottlieb has more. This auditor's report focuses on five years of state-run cleanup work connected to the Exide plant near downtown LA, a plant that discharged lead, arsenic, and other carcinogenic material into nearby communities. It recommends several things, including the immediate cleaning of all childcare centers, parks, and schools that are affected, also a timeline for handling nearly 8,000 more properties, and structuring any future cleanup contracts to include fixed costs to avoid cost overruns. We do intend to follow the recommendations that they laid out. Meredith Williams is the director of the California Department of Toxic Substances Control, or DTSC. We had responsibility for overseeing the operations, and we did let them operate on an interim st status permit for far too long. Those interim permits, Williams admits, opened the door for Exide's pollution for decades. Now, despite criticism, Williams says she is proud of the work done so far, pointing out this is the largest cleanup of its kind in California history. The state auditor's report follows a federal judge's approval of Exide's bankruptcy plan. The decision leaves the remaining cleanup cost to the state. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Gottlieb in Los Angeles. 
According to the audit, there's not even a plan in place to clean up over 4,500 affected properties. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. This week, in collaboration with Cal Matters College Journalism Network, we're bringing you student-centered perspectives on California's Proposition 16, the ballot measure that would reestablish affirmative action in public higher education admissions. This morning, UC Davis senior Janelle Salonga looks into the conflicting feelings over affirmative action in the Asian American community. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker and members. And this is a difficult conversation about race, but it needs to be had because we are a microcosm of our electorate. This is California Assembly member Evan Lowe at the podium after the introduction of ACA 5, the bill that became Prop 16. You heard from the author that this legislation has great support from many caucuses. But not the Asian and Pacific Islander caucus, Lowe says. Why is there such resistance? Why is not a single API caucus member a co-author of this legislation? For decades, some Asian Americans have pushed back against affirmative action because they think it could keep qualified Asian students from educational opportunities. Southern California Assembly member Al Moritsuchi explains both perspectives. Where it gets complicated with the Asian community uh, is that uh, you know, there is evidence that indicates that uh, there are some Asian ethnic groups that are underrepresented relative to their percentage in the state's population. And then there are some that are overrepresented, you know, especially on the, the highly competitive campuses like Berkeley and UCLA. And there are plenty of Asian American students who fall into the category of being underrepresented at California schools compared to their population in the state. Charlie Lee, a Hmong student who's in his first year at Clovis Community College, is one of them. When I have these discussions with people about affirmative action, I really need to bring in the Southeast Asian perspective that, you know, like, we aren't like those other Asians who have been here for generations. California is home to the biggest Hmong population in the country. But out of 120,000 Asian students enrolled in the UC system, only 534 are Hmong. More than half of Asians 25 or older in California had a bachelor's degree or higher in 2019. But that number hides the different educational outcomes within the Asian community. Just looking at Asian Indian people, these figures jump to over 70%. But for Laotians, they're a little less than 
Prop 16 could shift those numbers, but some Asian Americans feel there are better ways to fight inequality than changing the law. I think like community-based solutions help so much because the community knows what is needed. For example, like the Black Panther Party, they've been doing direct aid to their own communities. For example, like creating like a free breakfast program. Brian Yi is a third-year student at CSU Long Beach. Charlie Lee agrees community solutions matter. He also says underrepresented students will still need extra support to actually thrive on campus. It's not just about getting admitted. It's not just about being smart enough to attend these places, but it's also providing the resources that these communities of colors need in order to succeed in these higher institutions as well. It wasn't until the late 2000s, in response to a student-driven campaign, that the UC system started tracking more than just a few Asian subgroups on its rosters. And underrepresented students across the state will probably still have to advocate for their own needs on campus, whether or not Prop 16 passes. For The California Report, I'm Janelle Salunga from the Central Valley. And finally, what kind of true blue Angelina would I be without congratulating the Dodgers for the team's World Series championship one last night against the Tampa Bay Rays? It's been 32 long years since the Dodgers won their last World Series in 1988. That was so long ago, Ronald Reagan was in the White House, the Soviet Union still existed, and the Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw was only six months old. Thank you, Dodgers. The long wait made it all the sweeter. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, October 28th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Two Chairs, offering virtual therapy sessions designed to help clients thrive. Two Chairs therapists have personalized care to over 4,000 clients in California. Learn more at twochairs.com. Paint Care. Now with 770 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.